Hello, misfits. This is Kate. And this is Kevin. Welcome to Horror Wood. We're getting spooky today. Oh my god, and it's perfect. Yes, and the weather is nice and cool god, outside. It's cool, Kate. I hope it stays that way. I do too. I think it I think it just might. Will it? Oh, thank god. I'm tired of the heat waves. Hate it. Hate the heat. Hate the sun. Dong dong dong. Uh we're talking about the haunted Savannah Theater in Savannah, Georgia. <gasps> Have you ever been to Georgia? Oh, I've been to Atlanta. The airport. Oh my god! No. Oh, okay. Well, yes, because that's I've, all I've been to. <laughs> I've been to the Atlanta airport, but a year ago, over a year ago, there was a work conference that I had to oh. go to in Atlanta. Oh, maybe I remember you telling me yeah, about that. Yeah, and I went. I enjoyed it. It nice. was. I mean, it was February, so it wasn't hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I liked the city. Oh, nice. I have never seen the city, but I've. There goes Frankie. Mm-hmm. But I have looked out the window from its airport mm-hmm. and it looked fine. When I lived in London and I would travel home, I would usually go through the Atlanta airport. Oh, okay. Sometimes. And I remember like once going to a TGI Fridays in the airport and like making friends with this group of girls next to me at a table. We had a good time. I, did you have nice. cocktails? I think so. Probably. Uh, well, after researching this theater and savannah itself i want to go so bad i really knew nothing about it before okay excuse me i had to clear my throat (laughs) the way you did that was amazing (laughs) the way you looked at me like uh (laughs) excuse me do you have a problem with it (laughs) because i don't don't say shit was what kate's face said it was and I have no segue after that, so That's we're okay. just going to jump, right, jump in. right in. The Savannah Theater has seen it all. Drama, <gasps> music, Ooh. mysterious fires. Um, Less fun. A future presidential assassin. Ooh. Oh, no. A hurricane. And, of course, spirits. Some good, some not so much. Oh my God. Anytime someone says hurricane nowadays, I think of that. I don't even know what song it's from. Here comes the hurricane, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You never heard that? No, but I'm going to look it up because that sounds amazing. I'll find it. That's how you should enter your work every time you walk in. Here comes the hurricane, bitch. I think this song goes on to talk about Katrina, maybe. Oh. Um, so I'm not sure what the whole like deal is about what the song means. Then but maybe we shouldn't joke about it. Here comes her. But I've, I always see it in, like they use it on TikTok videos. Well, if they use vote. it on TikTok, then it I must not be it's offensive. not offensive. Cause, well, no, because people on TikTok would point it out and be like, That's true. excuse me. That's true. No, no, no. People would come, they would come for, for them. That. It's no wonder the Savannah Theater is haunted. Ooh. It's over 200 years old, and Savannah, the city, is the oldest city in Georgia, and considered one of the most haunted in America. Uh, where have I been? Not in Savannah. Not in Savannah. The theater has played host to a plethora of well-known performers, including Sarah Bernhardt, Oscar Wilde, baseball player Ty Cobb, randomly, Edwin Booth, and his younger brother... John Wilkes Booth, a.k.a. Abraham Lincoln's assassin. Yes, your face says it all, Kevin. John Wilkes Booth. Three names means he's a killer. (laughs) Most sources say that Edwin Booth for sure performed there, but it's unknown if his younger brother John did. However, an article from the Savannah Morning News dated October 6, 1894, what? titled Savannah's Playhouse, a Landmark in the History of the American Stage, 
lists both Edwin and John as past performers of the theater. Imagine seeing a show there and then years later being like, oh, shit, that guy killed the president. My God. And apparently he was like a really good actor. John Wilkes Booth? Yeah. Really good. Like in today's terms, he'd be considered an A-lister. I didn't know this. I didn't either. But he was also a terrible racist, so there's that. Lots of racism. (laughs) Did I not say it? Did I just think I said it? You said racist. (laughs) That's that was amazing. That's the new term. No, keep it in. Right. He's being a racist. He was a terrible racist. Gross. Very gross. Lots of racism in this part of the country during this time. Oh fuck! Yes, of course. Through the years, several tragedies struck the theater, leading to many deaths. Why do so many tragedies strike theaters? Just because you're putting all that drama into the air? I is think, that like bad vibes? I think that the vibes are just from all the energy coming right. through. But I think the tragedy thing is because a lot of theaters are old or... Um, and they weren't built properly. Exactly. <laughs> like... For the time, like they thought, oh, everything is cool. These buildings are super awesome. But turns out they're made of wood and will go up in flames in a second. Like immediately. Yes. According to multiple employees. Kate is storytelling. Because it's my peak hours and I am on today. Okay. Except apparently I can't pronounce words No, but I love it. You're good. (laughs) You're like making all these gestures, but you're like, (laughs) Not even saying where. (laughs) (laughs) If they could see me now. According to multiple employees, audience members, and paranormal investigation teams, plural, some folks that entered the theater have never left. Yikes. Since I've never been there, I wanted to learn more about Savannah just to give some context to where this theater is and what was going on in the city at the time it was built. Why are you laughing Sorry, at me? I was just imagining me. No, I was imagining me going into the theater as a live person. And I just like, there's a show going on and I walk out in like a nightgown with a Subway sandwich. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm never leaving. I love that you went to Subway sandwiches for that. I, I just imagined like a hoagie. Just walking around being like, I'm not leaving. This is my home. I mean, let's not eat Subway sandwiches because have you listened to the Patreon episode about Jared Fogel? Oh, yeah. I mean, Subway knew what was going on. I just don't know. know. They make delicious salads. So does Jersey Mike's. Do they? I've never had a Jersey Mike salad. Have you ever had their sandwiches? I have. I love them. Delish. They are better than Subway sandwiches. Yeah, they are. Georgia. Here's what I learned in my research, okay. Kevin. Tell Georgia me. was the 13th and final colony established in America, mm-hmm. and it was founded by one Mr. James Oglethorpe. Oglethorpe was an Englishman born into wealth and all the privileges that brings. In 1722, he became a member of parliament, just like his daddy and his brothers. Nepotism. Nepo baby. And it was while he was serving as a member of parliament that one of his friends ended up in a debtor's prison. A debtor's prison is exactly what it sounds like. If you couldn't afford to pay your debts. I would be there today if it was still. Oh, I would. And I feel like, you know, in the direction that our country's going right now. We'd all be behind bars. We'd all be behind bars. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't pay your student loans. Prison. prison. That's exactly it. If you okay. could, if, like, say you ran a shop, but you couldn't pay, afford to pay your merchants for that week's goods. You went to prison. They just threw you in prison. It was really well, then how are you supposed to make the money? That if was you're the problem. In jail? That was the thing. Okay, you couldn't. So you would hope that a family member or a friend would come through for you, but a lot of times they that didn't. didn't happen. And a lot of times they would throw the whole family into prison. <gasps> That's terrible. So. People's kids grew up in there. People were there for years. Oh, that's a problem. It was awful. Prison conditions were... Go ahead and sip your pumpkin coffee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's pause, everyone, while Kevin sips his pumpkin-ass coffee. Ah, the pumpkin flavors. (laughs) The worst. The prison conditions were atrocious. They were overcrowded. They were damp. Ew, damp? That's a really bad word to describe a prison. Because it was really bad. Oh, that made me sweat when you said right? damp. 
Disease ran rampant. People died. died. Sometimes, as I was saying, whole families were imprisoned and could be there for years. It was outrageous. In the 1700s and into the early 1800s, over half of the prison population in England was because of debt. Seems unnecessary. Seems like there is a better way. This is where the friend of James Oglethorpe found himself. And while he was in prison, he contracted smallpox and died. Yeah. When Oglethorpe found out about the fate of his friend, he was like, that sucks. Something must be done. Which is like, yeah, you could have done something because you have a whole fuck ton of money. But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, he decided not to help his friend out financially. So there's that. He had to wait till he was dead to be like, this is a problem. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, I guess. So Oglethorpe formed a committee to look into these prisons and worked to improve their conditions and cut down on the number of people sent there. So he did try to, you know, make good on things after his friend had already passed. Too little, too late. A little bit. That Like that JoJo song. I don't know. It's just a little too late. Oh, I do know that song. Yeah. I just didn't know it was her that sang it. I just imagined him like that song playing with him with his like feather pen writing and like looking melancholic (laughs) in his smoking jacket. That is exactly what happened. So Oglethorpe formed a committee to look into these prisons and worked to improve their conditions and cut down on the number of people sent there. This resulted in the Prison Reform Act of 1729, Mm. which led to the release of hundreds of prisoners who were behind bars simply for being poor. Honestly, it still happens today, though. It does. It sounds wonderful what he's doing, but England already had a lot of poverty and unemployment at the time, and now all of these debtors have been released with no money and no job. So Oglethorpe goes to King George II and is like, hey, King, why don't I just bring a bunch of these people over to that big old plot of land across the ocean and set up a new colony? I'll even name it after you. And King George II was like, cool. Oglethorpe's intentions were good, or at least as good as they could be when you're planning on stealing land from Native Americans. When he and his passengers arrived on the land in February of 1773, sorry, 1733, he immediately established good relations with the local Yamacraw Indians by befriending their chief, Tomachichi. Oglethorpe respected the Yamacraw customs and made a peace treaty with them, and as a result, Tomachichi granted him permission to settle the land. This mutual goodwill allowed Georgia to grow and prosper without the warfare and hardship that had plagued the earlier colonies. Right. Things seemed to be going great. Oglethorpe was like, I'm going to make this colony a colony for the people, religious freedom for everyone, unless you're Catholic, Mm -hmm. because then you might sympathize with our enemies, the Roman Catholics in Spanish Florida, but religious freedom for everyone else. Oglethorpe said... Down with slavery. I don't want Georgia being run by wealthy plantation owners. The whole point of this new colony is to give work to the poor and unemployed people that I brought over from England. So slavery is illegal, everybody. But it is America. So we know how that went. And in 1751, slavery became legal legal in Georgia. (laughs) God. Oglethorpe. Oglethorpe tried. He developed what would be known as the Oglethorpe Plan, which was a framework for town planning. Mm -hmm. It included how the town should be laid out, limits to growth so as to preserve a sustainable economy. He limited land ownership to 50 acres, and he outlawed hard liquor, because I guess he was just like, don't be drunk. He felt these were necessary elements to create an equitable and prosperous society. Under his plan, Savannah became America's first planned city. Oglethorpe designed the city in a grid pattern with parks and public squares, most of which are still there today. Wow. And one of those squares, Chippewa Square, is where the haunted Savannah Theater (gasps) is located. Chippewa Square. Ooh, Kate (laughs) just started choking. It's a ghost. That was weird. Hold on. How are your demon scratches? So I forgot to have Matt text me the picture so I could text it to you. They're getting better. Oh, good. But yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. Um, listeners, Kate got scratched by a demon. I did. It might be a story for another time, but sure did have demon scratches. Like literally came out of nowhere. Yeah. Chippewa Square is located at the center of the downtown historic district and is also referred to as Forest Gump Square. 
Was that where the movie took place? That sure is. Aww. It was the backdrop for the all of the park bench oh, scenes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. In the background of the park bench scenes is a statue of, can you name him? No. It's James Oglethorpe. Oh. <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> You're like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the bench was a prop that was brought in just for the movie, and it now sits in the Savannah History Museum. But the spot where it was located in the square remains a popular tourist destination. Yeah, absolutely. Designed by Big Deal architect William Jay, the Savannah Theater was the first theater built in Georgia. And according to VisitSavannah.com, is America's oldest continuously operating theater on its original site. Oh, well, that's very cool. It's not the oldest theater in America, even though... Some sources will say that it is, but it's still pretty old. What's the oldest theater in America? So that's interesting because if you Google that, you are going to get a different answer. Oh, every time. Okay. Yeah. I think technically it's the Walden Theater, but like I said, there are many different answers for that question. It's very odd, actually. Every theater claims to be the oldest theater in America. Hmm. The Savannah Theater has been in operation since 1818. So 205 years as of this recording. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty old. The original theater building could seat about 1,000. Oh. And the population in Savannah at the time was around 3,000. A so, third of the population So you've got a the theater shows. that can accommodate a third of the town. That's wild. That. That's amazing. When the Savannah Theater opened its doors on December 4th of 1818, the city was experiencing a financial boom because of the invention of the cotton gin... And the legalization of slavery. Shit. So all the residents, all that is except for the many enslaved people kidnapped from their homes and families and forced oh into God. manual labor, essentially held as prisoners by white families, all the residents except for them were feeling great. Savannah was popping off. It seemed like the perfect time to open a theater. People were eager to seek Sounds out like a it. form of entertainment. Yeah. Theatrical prediction... Predictions? Productions. I like predictions, too. <laughs> I do, too. Theatrical predictions. It's a theatrical prediction. I predict that it's going to be in the mid-70s tomorrow. Did you look at the weather app? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, th- theatrical prediction. <laughs> oh, wow, Kate. Theatrical predictions <laughs> with Kate and Kevin. Who cannot you, speak, you apparently. talk today. <laughs> Wowzers. Okay, productions, yes. So, yes, theatrical productions existed in the city already, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a permanent space yet specifically designed for productions of plays. But pretty much as soon as the theater opened, it suffered setback after setback. What the fuck? The very next year saw the Panic of 1819, also known as the First Great Depression which in part stemmed from the War of 1812. Mm. Unemployment rose, mortgages Mm -hmm. were foreclosed on, banks had loaned out more money than what people could pay back, so the banks failed. Not exactly conditions that make people want to spend their money on a night out at the theater. The following year, Savannah experienced the Great Fire of 1820, which destroyed 463 buildings, most of which were constructed from wood, because that's what was used back then. Amazingly, the theater was spared structural damage as it was located just a few blocks south of where the fire was. Oh, good. But that very same year, Savannah saw its first major yellow fever epidemic. It was just shit. like disaster after disaster. Every year, it's like, okay. Yep, what's it going to be wipe now? Wipe out the city and the population. If you Google how many people died from yellow fever in 1820 Savannah, The first answer that comes up, guess what the number is? And this is from the Georgia Historical Society. So say that again, the people who number of people who died from yellow fever. In eighteen twenty Savannah. Eighteen twenty Savannah. What was the population at the time? Still three thousand. Yeah, I think around there. Two thousand. No, it's a creepier number than that. All three thousand? Six, six, six. Oh, six hundred and sixty six. Ew, scary. But I read in another source that number is 729. In reality, it's impossible to know the actual number because the deaths of black people weren't reported. Exactly. Because so many people died, 
their bodies were buried in mass graves. Many in Colonial Park Cemetery, which was Savannah's primary cemetery from 1750 to 1853. Today, there are less than 600 tombstones in the cemetery, but it's estimated there are around 10,000 bodies buried there. The more it filled up, the more it had to be expanded. And by the 1850s, they finally said, you can't bury anyone else here. There's too many bodies already. Have we ever stopped as a society to think about how burying bodies is weird? Isn't it weird? <laughs> it's so strange. It's, it's bad. It's like... It's not good for the environment. No, it's horrible. I want to be cremated. I want to be turned into a tree. Oh, yeah. I'd, be, I'd love to be a tree for sure. If I can be a tree, I'll be a tree. And if I can't be a tree... I'll be ashes spread out throughout the land. The, the land, <laughs> yes. The whole land. <laughs> this land is your land. And like, we're just spreading Kate's <laughs> ashes everywhere. And it's my dead body's land. Well, I mean, that's what we're founded on, right? So funny you should say that because literally Savannah was built on dead bodies. Georgia officials encouraged people to actually move their deceased loved ones to newer, nearby cemeteries. Well, how the fuck are you going to get them out of the ground when it's just bodies on bodies on bodies? That was the thing. So some people didn't even know where Where their loved ones were. Ew. Yeah. And when bodies were moved, other bodies were disturbed because they were buried so close together. And as Abercorn Street, which runs parallel to the cemetery, was developed, bodies were exhumed and moved elsewhere for the construction. That many bodies being moved and disturbed never leads to anything good. This is like a poltergeist situation. <laughs> you know that scene where they're like in the backyard and there's like the the pool where Which they're are real skeletons. Yeah, they're real skeletons. Mm-hmm. Ew. Yeah. And it's been reported that hoodoo ceremonies would take place in the cemetery Uh-oh. at night. Hoodoo's scary stuff. Sometimes in the mornings, visitors would find evidence of hoodoo rituals, which often involved gathering graveyard dirt. Sometimes bodies were disturbed, and they could tell that graves had been, I was going to say molested, but that's probably not the right word. Ooh. But, you but know, I understand what you yeah, mean. Yeah, they've been handled. Ew. <laughs> Maybe that's worse. Manhandled. Ugh. So a lot of activity was going down in this cemetery. So as I said earlier, the whole city was built on dead bodies. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, it belonged to Native Americans first. They were obviously burying their dead somewhere. Yeah, of course. So the entire place was essentially a Native American burial ground. Oh, okay. I'm sure their bodies were moved around. Right. People were like... Disturbing the dead is never a good idea. No. The history of this cemetery is really fascinating. I'll link some sites to give the background info on it if you want to learn more. The cemetery was originally located just outside of town, but as Savannah grew, the town was developed around it. So it became enclosed in what is now the historic district. So it's kind of like smack in the middle there. Shit. And guess which structure, also located in the historic district, Sits nearby the Colonial Park Cemetery. The theater. The theater. So obviously between the Panic of 1819, the Great Fire, and the Yellow (laughs) Fever epidemic, the theater struggled. (laughs) But it did remain open. I mean, they should have started offering to, like, bury people. In the dressing room? In the dressing rooms. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. In the walls. In the floors. Just a few years later, in 1827, it would suffer its first of several building disasters. Electricity didn't come to the Savannah Theater until the summer of 1884. But you obviously can't have people performing on stage in the dark. So in order to light the theater, they used candles. Candles. During a performance in 1827, one of those candles on stage either fell over or was accidentally knocked over. I'm clumsy as fuck. I would have knocked every... You would have been the I, one. I would have walked up to like make my big monologue and been like, oh, blah, blah, and like kicked the candle and then it hits an audience member and they catch on fire and then the fire spreads and everybody's screaming. That's uh. not far from what happened. <laughs> ah. Oh. It immediately caused the stage curtain... The big curtain that rises Just at the to top of the show. Up in flames. Up in flames. The whole stage and was And I in bet flames. it was made of like something that was super flammable. Oh, yeah. It was made of wool. I thought you were going to say wood. I was like, that's a <laughs> sc- 
strange. <laughs> they just painted it red. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, gotta raise the curtain. Raise the curtain. <laughs> the wood curtain. <laughs> we're in a we're, we're in, in a, a mood vibe. Today, Kate. Luckily, the fire was contained to just the stage area, so there Good. wasn't much structural damage. Okay. But at least one person underneath the stage <gasps> died, which was where the original dressing room was located, Ooh. was trapped. Ooh. And although the fire was relatively small, it did create a lot of smoke. There were some deaths, though the actual number is unknown. Okay. Reportedly, a few patrons died, presumably those sitting in the first row because they would have been closest to the smoke, as well as at least one performer in that dressing room. Which brings us to our first ghost. First ghost. Ghost number one. She apparently prefers to be called Elizabeth. We unfortunately don't have a last name for Elizabeth, but according to an article from 1895 in the Savannah Morning News, she is believed to be one of the theater's first ghosts, if not the first. She was in the dressing room in full costume, ready to make her entrance when the fire occurred, and she died from smoke inhalation. It is said that people did try to rescue her because, again, this is in the middle of a performance. The whole audience is watching. Unfortunately, though, the smoke was too much for her. From everything I've read, as well as what I watched on the show, Portals to Hell. Oh, my God. You watched Portals to Hell. <laughs> Amazing. This is actually one of their highest rated episodes. Really? If, if not the highest. Wait, who hosts that one again? Jack Osborne. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Katrina. I think it's Weedman. I think I actually like that one. It's, it's not a bad show. It's not bad because their whole thing is trying to debunk right everything right it's actually really good well i've only seen the one episode but i really liked it it's not ghost adventures ghost adventures is just ridiculous but like it's one of those it's kind of fun to just put on and be like okay okay zach baggins okay i think we should go to a haunted place and just like do what they do yeah and we're all we're all like oh my god kate did you hear that did you hear that i i I totally heard that Oh, our, the camera stopped working. Did you see this? The camera stopped working right at that moment. There's an entity hovering over your left shoulder. It's gold. Did you see it? Ah, oh, it's gone. You just missed oh it. Oh my God. Uh... Back to this. I'll talk more about portals to <laughs> okay. hell in a bit. But uh, from everything that I've read about Elizabeth, she was an actress with a capital A. Like, Very much a performer, very much, here I am, look at me, I must give the people what they want. But nobody could remember her last name. Her last name. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's so amazing. I think maybe that was just her stage, you know, like... Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Like Madonna. And Cher. She was the first. She was the one. Of the one name celebrity women. Such a trendsetter. According to multiple witnesses... Tour groups, audience members, paranormal investigation teams. She presents in a visual way. She's most commonly seen on stage dressed all in white, not carrying a Subway sandwich, but dressed all in white. Or she'll be backstage behind the curtain as though she's waiting to go on. Mm -hmm. Some have seen an orb floating around or a wisp of smoke that sort of swirls about that they believe to be Elizabeth. Mike Eater, co-owner of Truth and Evidence Haunted Tours, which I'll link, leads investigations through haunted areas of Savannah, including the theater. I love this group because their whole thing is also to debunk, which I'll talk about in a second. And he said that during his first investigation there, he was shooting video and picked up an orb that kind of dances around and over the audience seats, which he believes to be Elizabeth, and he shows the footage on that episode of Portals to Hell. It's interesting, Mm. I will say. They're like, the wisp of smoke, and someone had just, like, vaped in the background, (laughs) and they're like... (laughs) They're like, ah, shit! it, (laughs) Sorry, that's just really funny to me. Chris Susie is a former employee of the theater and was a director there. He began working there in 1993. And his first ghostly encounter occurred when he was directing Barefoot in the Park. What's that? It's a play. Oh. <laughs> wow. He was in attendance at one of the performances and said that several audience members approached him afterwards asking, who's the woman in the ball gown? 
I think it must have been like during intermission because you wouldn't just go up to the director in the middle of the show and be like, who is that lady? So people want to know what's up with the ball gown lady. And Chris Susie kept looking where they were pointing. But all he saw was a wisp of smoke that swirled away. Again, the person was like, shit, the vaping shit, person. Shit, I'm not supposed to vape back here. Over the years, people started referring to this ghost as Betty. She's not going to like that. She sure She's like, my fucking didn't. name is Elizabeth. That's literally exactly Betty? what she did. Who am I, a 50s housewife? No, she's not. She's, she's Elizabeth. An, she's Elizabeth of the acting Elizabeths of Savannah. Exactly right. Drew Jones, a former stage manager at the theater, said she was told she preferred Elizabeth. So there you go. I like the idea of a diva ghost who's just like... I like that she told the stage manager, which is the person that you go to complain to, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, can you please tell these people to stop fucking calling me Betty and I'm call Elizabeth. me by my, my name is Elizabeth. You wouldn't call Madonna Ma. Right. Drew, the stage manager I just mentioned, said she experienced Elizabeth's ghost one night when she was crossing the stage. I think she was headed backstage to close everything down for the night. And right behind her right ear, she heard a woman say, excuse me. And she could feel someone there, Ooh. so she turned to look around. There was no one there. Yikes. And she was like, that's weird. So she keeps walking, and she hears it again. Excuse me. And she said it was so close to her, like the woman was trying to scooch past her. So Drew actually pressed herself up against the wall to let this person pass, but there was nobody there. Despite this experience, there's actually another spirit Drew encountered more frequently, the spirit of a little boy named Benjamin. But before we talk about Benjamin, there are a few more disasters that would strike the Savannah Theater. What the fuck? The first 20 years the theater was opened, it struggled. It changed hands several times. It was auctioned off twice. They had trouble getting butts in the seats. But things turned around in 1838 when a successful theater company moved in and took over operations, mm. finally making it profitable. And the place started popping again. Pop, lock it, drop it. It still had plenty of hardships in store, however. Oh, my God. The Civil War. Another panic in 1893. More yellow fever. Changes in management. Uh, I love that you're like, disease, <laughs> fire, changes in management. It could be disastrous. <laughs> no, I know. Then in 1898, a devastating Category 4 hurricane hit Georgia, and the Savannah Theater was directly in its path. Here comes the hurricane, bitch. I'm going to be singing that all day. I also have this TikTok sound stuck in my head. I forget, I don't even know what the original TikTok's from, but it's this woman, and she's going, spooky pooping. Spooky pooping at the Halloween store or something Who's like that. pooping? And why I is forget. it spooky? I don't know. I forget. I have questions. Me too. I'll look it up. Okay. The storm ripped the roof off the building and essentially turned the auditorium into one gigantic swimming pool. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was real damaged. Elizabeth was probably pissed. I know. She was like, fuck, that was my stage. <sighs> Just as repairs from the hurricane damage were completed, it wasn't long before yet another fire swept through downtown in 1906 and destroyed the original facade of the theater. The fire occurred shortly after 10 p.m. on September 21st, 1906, and according to an article in the, you guessed it, Savannah Morning News. Savannah Morning News. Kate, I imagine you in like the basement of a library, like on this. <laughs> Going through the microfilms. The microfilms. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, with like glasses on and a red pen. <laughs> and a magnifying glass. And a magnifying glass. I wouldn't need one because it's like... Pretty big. Yeah. All of these articles from Savannah Morning News that I'm mentioning are in this one PDF document that I'm going to link oh, in the show cool. notes. So according to this article, it, quote, burned away the interior, leaving nothing but the charred remnants of the floor in the pit. Luckily, no one was in the building at the time, but they were never able to determine how the fire started. The manager believed it was arson and said that there had been two previous attempts to burn the theater down, but he was never able to prove it. Like, who's burning this theater down? People who hate the arts. Republicans of the time. Actually, it would probably be the opposite. Because the theater was used by a lot of Republicans and uh, political leaders to give speeches and lectures. It was There was a lot of racism well, going stuff on. Stuff like that that attracts bad shit to happen in exactly. the During renovations, crews found a penny dated 1818 that had evidently been placed in the wall when it was originally being built, probably like a good luck charm. 
So when they found this, they gifted it to the theater's owner at the time, Fred Weiss, who was said to have always carried it with him for good luck. But in the summer of 1948, Fred took a trip to New York and lost that fucking penny. What a dumbass. The very next day, the Savannah Theater experienced its worst fire yet. Many residents believe the penny was part of a curse imposed on the theater, and when the owner lost it, it unleashed havoc, causing the fire of 1948. I think it was just a penny. I don't know. I feel like it was part of the foundation of that place. Oh. I just imagine myself running into a church and grabbing like a gem off of a thing and being like, the amulet, and then running away. I imagine that too for you, believe it or not. But on August 31st, 1948, during a performance to a packed house, a fire broke out in the balcony. God, is the people smoking? Are they smoking up there? They don't know how this fire started. They were never able to determine it. Because of segregation, up until the 1960s, black people were forced to enter the theater through their own entrance and sit in the balcony. So at the time of this fire, the balcony would have been populated entirely of a black audience. Oh, so it's like a racist person who probably tried to light a fire. That's kind of what I was thinking. But again, it's never been determined. No one knows. Audience members were directed toward an exit on House Right. The door opened to a stairwell and down the stairs was another door that should have led to the outside. So people scrambled to reach the exit and make it down the stairs to safety, only to discover that the door at the bottom of the stairwell was locked what the fuck it was absolute chaos as you can imagine as people were clamoring over one another to get out which brings us to our second ghost a little boy named benjamin did he die in the fire benjamin was in attendance with his family at the performance that evening and as the fire raged he would he followed everyone to the stairwell but because there was no way out and people kept rushing the door little benjamin being so small got crushed was trampled to death fuck His is the spirit that Drew Jones, that stage manager I mentioned, would encounter the most. That's such a violent way to die. Well, I can't. Like, I could imagine. imagine, I mean, I could imagine, like, the spirit, like, that generating a spirit. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Dying so violently. Mm -hmm. Drew would often run the spotlight up near the balcony on House Right, and at least a couple of times a month, she'd feel a tug on the bottom of her shirt, like how little kids tug on your clothes to be like, play with me. She told Savannah Magazine, I think he just wanted my attention. It became so frequent, though, that she'd have to tell him, not now, I'm busy. Multiple audience members have also reported feeling someone tug on their clothes and pull their hair while sitting in the balcony. I love the (laughs) idea that he's just like running around being like, haha, I got you. I just imagine like you're just walking by somebody and they're getting like fully pummeled like (laughs) by a ghost. Like, but you can't see the clothes are just like moving. The clothes are just getting ripped and like they get like a wedgie pulled up. And then, like, their hair is, like, being pulled. And oh, my God. <laughs> and they're like, that little boy is really going to town on oh, this. Oh, Benjamin. Benjamin, stop. Then one day, this is a crazy story. So one day, Drew brought her granddaughter to the theater. Her granddaughter was about three years old at the time. It was the end of the day. All the doors were locked. And Drew was in the office just finishing up some work stuff. So she let her granddaughter play in the lobby as she was closing up. The office was right there. It was like, you take a step out of the office, you're in the lobby. So it wasn't like she was in an entirely different part of the theater or anything. Just as Drew was wrapping up, the little girl came running into the office and Drew said, all right, it's almost time to leave. And her granddaughter said, but the little boy wants to play. And Drew asked, what little boy? Like, no one's here. Little kids are so scary. I almost said stupid, and then I was I, like, no, 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 that's not the right word. I Scary. thought you were going to say you're so, like, sensitive to the oh, other and side. Oh, very sensitive to the other <laughs> side. But no, they're so scary. <laughs> and her granddaughter said, out here, meaning out in the lobby. And Drew asked, well, what's his name? Because she's probably thinking, is this an imaginary friend or something? Her granddaughter replied, Benjamin. Drew said she had never told her granddaughter about him because oh, she was so the, young the grandmother or drew knew the kid's name yeah because yes got it got it got it 
After the 1948 fire, the theater was completely rebuilt and turned into a movie theater. Boo! Keep live performance spaces. It operated as a movie theater for many years before returning Ah, to live theater in the 1980s. Mike Eater, who I mentioned earlier, who co-owns the Truth and Evidence Haunted Tours, was featured on that episode of the show Portals to Hell. And what I like about Mike and his co-owner, John Flynn, is that their whole thing is to debunk as much as they can so that when they arrive at something that they just can't debunk, they can accept it more as fact rather than their imagination playing games with them. Mm. And on their tours... They give the the tourist all of the equipment, like EMF machines and or EMF readers and spirit boxes. Like you get all of that equipment to explore on your own. So I think that's pretty cool. Oh, fun! Yeah. In an interview with Inoka Edenfield, I hope I said your name right. For Savannah Now, Mike said, "Quote: You don't want doubt in your head when you're having an experience. You want this to be a hundred proof positive, and that's something that the ghost shows have gotten away from." He's referring to shows like Ghost Adventures. He said, quote, when something does happen and we try to debunk it and can't, me debunking this right now is going to make that experience that much more credible for you. So in the show Portals to Hell, hosts Jack and Katrina meet up with Mike and other paranormal investigators, as well as former employees of the theater. And it's worth mentioning that Portals to Hell is the first televised investigation done at the Savannah Theater. Oh, cool. In addition to the ghosts I've already mentioned, Mike and the others discuss a third ghost they call Bill. According to Mike, Bill was a former director there who died around 2002. He presents in a deep, gruff voice. He loves to curse. And he's said to have an icky energy about him. In several sources, I have read about a director that haunts the theater, but he's always written about in a mostly positive way, which is definitely not how Bill is described. The other one that I've read about is described as a man who has a deep love of the arts, is very passionate about theater. He's been heard yelling bravo from up in the balcony where the director would usually sit to watch performances. And it's reported that he had a heart attack on the job. He sounds like a different spirit than Bill to me because there are some dark energies at this theater that we're going to get into. So I don't know if paths were crossing or their like signals are getting crossed or what, but I do know that there's a director spirit people since there. Then maybe there's two. One good, one bad. Does that make sense? No, it does. Okay. Jack and Katrina begin their own investigation of the theater and bring in psychic Sarah Lemos. I'm skeptical of it only because they claim that they've told her nothing about the theater before bringing her in. But how can we really trust that? You know, like, how do we know she didn't just Google the theater before she got there? But one thing that is interesting is Sarah says that on the way to the building, she kept seeing a brick wall over and over again. Like, got to get back to the brick wall. I have to get back to the brick wall. So the first thing she says when she gets there is, take me to the furthest back part of the theater. The furthest back part of the theater is the changing room. In the changing room is a brick wall. And performers have signed it. People leave quotes on it. Like, you know how all theaters have that backstage? I worked in a theater that had a room called the Bitchin'. And it was uh, a bathroom kitchen because it was a little kitchenette with a toilet in it. A kitchenette with a toilet? Uh Uh-huh. Gross. Do they sign the walls? No. Then what the fuck does that story have to do know, with anything? I don't know, Kate. Back rooms. <laughs> I signed the wall. For a good sign, call. That's me. This brick wall is the only part of the original building from 1818 still in existence. The whole thing was fucking knocked down by hurricanes and fires. Yeah. And the changing room is known as a hot spot for paranormal activity. People have heard voices, heavy breathing, growling. I do not want to hear growling. Objects have moved on their own. And some of this is on video and it can't be explained. Like they do show a video of Mike leading an investigation from like months prior that he brought in just to show Jack and Katrina. And on the video, like there's no time skip or anything like that. And all of a sudden a hanger just like jerks back. It's weird. It's weird. There's also a story that a stagehand hung himself in this room using a rope. And there is a ladder that leans against that brick wall, like a giant heavy industrial ladder. Presumably he used that to 
climb to the top. There's just a lot of dark energy in mm. there. Uh, and it was first reported by the Savannah Morning News in 1895. Kate, it's like I read 10 years worth of I have Savannah Morning a lifetime news. subscription, subscription to the Savannah <laughs> Morning News. <laughs> In an article dated May 5th, 1895, it talks about a fire that burned a hole in the floor about two feet in diameter in the center of this room. The article says, quote, How the fire got there was a mystery, but far more mysterious was the fact that nothing else had burned. After burning out a small circular hole in the floor, the fire seemed to have been satisfied and went out of its own accord. The fire seems to be satisfied. What the fuck? Ew. Years later, the paper reported on mysterious fires again, stating, quote, On at least three occasions, fire started inside the place while no one was supposed to be there. Each time, the blaze was checked in its incipiency without the interference of any human agency. It was contended that only some supernatural thing could have prevented the fire spreading, after it had begun in the way it did. This did not occur once, but several times. That's from Savannah Morning News, dated September 22nd, 1906. Hmm. The paper also stated that police had reported walking past the theater late at night when no one was there. There were no shows going on. The place was closed for the evening. But they could hear applause coming from inside. This is what police reported. Applause, applause. It's like Lady Gaga. They're hearing the future. She was so ahead of her time. Mm. Or behind her time. Hmm. Mm. The green room is another area of the theater housing some dark energy. Sarah Lemos, that psychic, said she felt a strong female energy in there presenting in a floral smell. And historically, that room was where chorus girls would change. And in that same 1895 news article by Savannah Morning News that talked about the fire in the dressing room, it mentioned that chorus girls would sometimes abruptly run out of the room while they were changing. So like they're not fully dressed, running out because they were startled by something, even though there was nothing there. They said something startled them. It was very scary. And they all ran out. And they're not wearing much. Icky. That feels like some stealthy pervert. Well, we're going to get into a dark energy in here. So so Sarah, along with Mike and his investigation team, all separately picked up on a dark energy that they feel is the ghost of Bill that would regularly assault and rape women in that green room. They believe it was a director who would abuse the actresses Mm. in his shows. Micah Watkins, a paranormal investigator who by now has been doing investigations for 18 years, said that in all his years of investigating, they've been trumped by the Savannah Theater. Mm. There's a big mirror in that green room that he believes could be a portal. So one night he was sitting in there and he asked the spirits, can you guys travel through this room? Is this a place where you can come and go? And Everything started going off at once, like all the equipment, REM pods, spirit boxes, you name it. When Katrina and Jack were doing their own investigation in there, they weren't getting a ton. But when they started using the spirit box at one point, it said Micah. So they call Micah to come down to the theater and things started getting active. The REM pod was going off, which measures changes in the electromagnetic field. They picked up more on the spirit box. Like, it was interesting because it was like they were getting a little nothing crazy. But then they hear Micah. They bring him down. And the thing starts going. Like, this investigation kind of took off. So at the end of it all, Katrina and Jack compare their findings with Mike and the other investigators. And a lot of the stuff lines up. And they ask about the brick wall and the changing room because Sarah kept saying something about this wall is important. Like, it's keeping something out. So Katrina asked Mike, is there something on the other side of that wall? And just on the other side of that wall, a short distance past the buildings, is the Colonial Park Cemetery. The graves. Watch that episode. I'll list it in the show notes. I don't know that I can link it, but I'll definitely list it on there with like the season and episode number. I think it's on Max, if I'm not mistaken. There is another video that Mike had taken from a previous investigation that he shows on that episode. 
And it is one of the freakiest things I've ever seen. And I will tell you, I rewound that thing and paused it really? multiple times. I'm going to have to watch this, Kate. Because I was like, what the fuck is that? And Katrina and Jack were the same way. They were like, I don't know what the fuck that is. I've never seen anything like that. And I cannot explain it. Ooh. But he gets a shadow figure that seems to come through that exit door mm-hmm. house right in the balcony. It's crazy. It's kind of like this shadow comes in, then leaves, like separates, and you see like this sort of shadow or spirit or whatever come out of that. And then that one that stays back sort of fades. Shadow people. It's wild. Um, Another article I recommend just because it's fun and gives you a little bit more info about Savannah is called 29 Things Nobody Tells You About Savannah, Georgia by Leah Garcia. I'll put that in the show notes. Mm. And that... Dear listeners, is the haunted and historic Savannah Theater. That's amazing, Kate. I want to go to Savannah now. I do, too. It sounds so cool. Like, yeah, I mean, what a historical place yeah, and in American history. But so many buildings that are said to be haunted. <gasps> and I bet there's amazing haunted tours. Oh, there are. There are a ton. You can find them online. It sounds so cool. And... Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil mm-hmm. is based on a story that took place in a house there. And oh, you can shit. tour that house. It's just like, it's wild. I want to go so bad. If you have been to Savannah, we want to know your experiences. If you have like anything spooky or... <gasps> Scary Savannah. Tell us. Email it to us at... Horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave it in the comments at... What? Oh. <laughs> What? <laughs> you know what it is? Because I reversed him and I did email first. Yeah. And then I was like, what comes next? You can leave it in the comments on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Horrorwood Podcast. Or if you want even more bonus content, you can jump on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorwood podcast. I had a golden retriever named Savannah. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to spell in what my brain. I know I was in a different place. I was like, when you said the name of the Patreon site, it yeah. didn't sound like the right it didn't name. Sound right. And I was like, Horrorwood Podcast. Horrorwood Podcast. <laughs> what is that? Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, your cat, Savannah. Was it a cat? It was a golden retriever. <laughs> golden retriever. I really was not paying attention. It's okay. <laughs> I had to give her away because we moved. Oh. Poor baby. Uh, well... That's it for today. That's your spooky, your spooky spook. Spooky pooping. No, <laughs> I need to know who be pooping so spooky. Here comes the hurricane, bitch. <laughs>